Hey guys, I've got another guest series here. So excited for you guys to hear from Rebecca Capiero. She is a business bestie of mine with a similar story, but a different platform. She and I both believe that we can grow and scale massive businesses without paying a fortune for Facebook ads. I really hope that you enjoy her message when it comes to PR and her expertise around PR. I also really am looking forward to you hearing her story of entrepreneurship and the trials and tribulations of being in her early 20s and, you know, scaling wildly successful businesses and the highs and lows of entrepreneurship and where it's brought her today as an incredible PR expert who not only has an incredible business teaching other entrepreneurs how to be successful in growing their brand presence without spending a fortune with an agency but also the experience and success she's had in helping all these women be visible, be heard, and publish. She and I actually published a book together earlier this year that you've got to go check out. But you are just absolutely going to enjoy her story and her tips and tricks around really leveraging a PR presence to really grow and monetize your brand. Hey friend, Melissa Hinault here with the Burnout to All Out podcast. I'm a former multiple six-figure executive corporate burnout, feeling stuck in the life I built for myself. But using my corporate skills, I took to the internet and have built multiple six and seven-figure businesses, showing others how they can build a life they love. Now on this podcast, I share stories of being an entrepreneur, a mom to my three amazing kids, and wife to my wonderful and supportive husband who supports all my wild and crazy dreams. My journey is taking grit and persistence and belief. And believe me, I'm still a work in progress that you may witness in real time. Whether it's in our free burnout to all out Facebook community or inside my mastermind or even in my coaching programs or maybe just right here on the podcast. I'm laughing and I'm crying with you. I've become a serial entrepreneur with a passion to inspire more burnouts, to take the leap of faith and go all out and live out their dreams. Consider me your mentor in your head and on the go. So let's get started. All right, we are live with Rebecca Capiero, Burnout to All Out podcast. Welcome, Rebecca. I am so excited to be here. I mean, I get to talk to you every single day, even if it's by voice memo, but especially when I get to see you and talk to you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So you guys, Rebecca and I are actually like 5 a.m. accountability buddies. We check in every morning via text. There's so much we could talk about today, but I think we could have like a series of podcast episodes, but um, you guys... First and foremost, Rebecca has become one of my like business besties. She has made me a better person in a million different ways. I just love our friendship. But with that, let me give you a formal introduction, Rebecca. Rebecca and I actually met in a series of masterminds uh, a couple of years ago and have kind of followed each other around to other masterminds and are to this day 
in a mastermind together. So um, that's how we met. So masterminds are amazing. They just uh, bring you amazing people to your sphere of influence. So Rebecca is a business and lifestyle strategist who specializes in helping female entrepreneurs intentionally grow their businesses without sacrificing their quality of life. Coming from the woman who just came from Italy for the past two weeks, right? As the founder and CEO of The Pitch Club, a multi-six-figure for women and by women company, She has helped hundreds of women across the globe achieve milestones like doubling their income in a year, right? Who wants that? Receiving dozens of media mentions and taking at least a month of vacation each year. I think you've done more than that this year. Rebecca brings to her clients more than 13 years of experience in sales and marketing for Fortune 150 and 1,000 companies where she's managed more than a billion in sales. Now, it would be amiss if we didn't actually feature where you've been featured. So as like the PR expert, so Rebecca has been a TEDx speaker, international Forbes contributor, two-time best-selling author, and she's also the host of a top-ranked podcast, Becoming You. Uh, Rebecca's expertise has been featured in prominent media outlets, including NBC News, ABC News, uh, US News and World Report and Reader's Digest, Women's Help, and more. She lives in Palo Alto, California, with her husband and her two children in that beautiful home that you built. And Rebecca's forthcoming book, Being in Business, is due out November 2000. 22. That was that, that one came out, right? No, that, that's no, this, no, out. exactly. So we haven't even talked about, you know, living a legacy, which I don't consider that my book because it's a collaborative effort, but yeah, my, yes. my second solo book is coming out in November. Yes. Okay. So, so excited to have you here today. You guys, you're going to want to get your pen and paper and learn. Rebecca has an incredible background and we're going to just for the listeners who are listening live, you guys, and for Rebecca, we're going to start with, I just want to really talk through your story first and foremost on the Burnout to All Out podcast for people to hear kind of your journey into entrepreneurship and like where you are today. And in the second half, I really want to jump into some really strategic tips and tricks in business, specifically maybe in the PR strategy space that can help people grow their visibility and their credibility without, you know, paying a fortune for ads, PR managers, those types of things. You guys, Rebecca, I'm in Rebecca's mastermind and they helped me just do my very first press release. And um, we had like over a potential of like what, 200 million in visibility incredible. We were with the release. We were seen with C-SPAN, New York Times, all the things. This could be you, right? Like Rebecca is helping women just make a splash publicly with their credibility and getting like the the visibility they deserve, right? So excited. Yes. I love to say your vision deserves visibility and that's really my mission. But yes, going back to the backstory, you know, first of all, I just want to tell everyone I had no desire to be an entrepreneur ever. Now, looking back, As an entrepreneur and someone that mentors entrepreneurs, I realized I had a lot of those entrepreneurial qualities, but both my parents had their own businesses. My dad is a commercial fisherman. In fact, literally retiring this year after we started at 19. So, you know, 45-ish years doing that. And my stepdad is a water well driller. And so I saw my parents not running their businesses, but their businesses running them and really dictated by things like the seasons and dictated by politics as far as the price of fish and, you know, Stuff that is really not kind of normal life. But because of that, just seeing how stressed my parents were, I was like, I do not want anything to do with owning a business. I want the what I thought was security. My mom, my mom's a CK, so she always seemed like she had more security. Not that there wasn't stress, but she knew what to expect. 
I initially actually followed what my love was, which was writing and communicating and speaking. I've always just loved like messaging is, is what I now call it. But I was like that dorky kid literally that won a scholarship to yearbook and newspaper camp in high school. And then at yearbook and newspaper camp, like one contest to get our school free color, like free color pages, you know. So went into journalism and studied that in college, worked at a daily paper for three years. And I loved every moment of it. I was reflecting this morning about like, that was where I really learned to embrace deadlines and that healthy pressure, that panic monster of deadlines that is not for everyone. Right. Uh Um, But definitely as an entrepreneur, I think we, we have to enjoy that if we're going to succeed. And what stopped that career that I thought I would do forever? You know, I thought I'd be like a Barbara Walter someday or let's be honest, I really wanted to do just print journalism because the idea of being on camera and being on the fly was terrifying to me, which is hilarious given that, you know, I'm on a podcast right. now. But the, what the problem was is journalism paid so poorly. So I joked that I was going to have to have a bartending job forever to support my journalism habit. And so I moved to LA. I thought I was going to go to law school. I was like, well, that's how I can still, you know, write and do research, all these things I loved. And ended up getting this really impromptu job offer from a friend at the time into real estate. And this was 2003. So this is when the market was just on absolute fire. And this was in Las Vegas, which was kind of the epicenter of of really the growth um, in real estate. And then later at the fall. And I went into real estate and I remember that first, my first meeting with my boss after my interview, it was like a, a social event. And I said something, I said, is it really possible to make six figures? Because growing up with a mom who was a single mom for several years and at that time, living below poverty level and you know, growing up with very working class parents, the idea of making six figures was only something I thought you could do as an attorney or a doctor. And I wasn't that great at chemistry. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be an attorney. And when I got this real estate job, my boss said, he's like, actually, if you make a hundred thousand a year, you'll get fired because you'd be underperforming. I was like, what? And I went on that year at 23 to you know 24 years old to make over a quarter of a million dollars. And by age 25, I had a $400,000 a year. And on paper, I had it made. I mean, I, I realized I really loved sales, not because, you know, not, not the manipulative side. I think that people sometimes think of sales that get the bad route, but really the side of being able to provide people with a solution for what they're looking for that bridges the gap from where they're at to where they want to be. And you know, I was selling homes. There's so much feel good there. And I was selling to retirees, which is like, I had all these adopted grandparents. But basically in short, I went up the corporate ladder and was doing really well and winning the awards. And, you know, just like you, I mean, you know, we're, we're getting all these achievements that validate the inner child needs that we need that weren't met, you know, maybe decades earlier, but I hired my first life coach at 26. And I, this is also a, maybe a, a message of how important it is to always be intentionally growing. And this was back in 2006, like life coaches were not a thing back in there, like they are now. And I sat down at that very first meeting with my life coach and she said, what do you want? And I went through basically my LinkedIn profile. I was like, this is why I'm impressive. And this is like, I'm going to be CEO by 40 of this you know, Fortune 150 company. And I'm on the fast track and all of this. And then I finished and she says, she just looked me straight in the eye and paused and said, what do you actually want? And I just burst out sobbing. And what I realized is this life that I was going for was what looked really good on paper to this young woman who left a small town with a bit of a chip on my shoulder of feeling like I didn't fit in. And I would love to say that that's like when I left my career and went and followed what I love, but it took another almost nine years. And it took 
my boyfriend a few years later getting diagnosed with stage four cancer and ended up um, passing away from that of really realizing, okay, life is too short to do something that looks good on paper. We're three-dimensional human beings. But even then at that point, that was then in 2009. And that was when the market was crashing at that point. It was like, do whatever I can to just pay the bills. So mm. like you, I dipped my toe accidentally into network marketing. And that was a really great bridge into entrepreneurship with no risk, yes. you know, and it cost nothing. Right. And, yeah. and you know, succeeded at that for a few years, did create the income that allowed me to leave my job. But, but then what I realized is at least in my job, as I was a VP of sales and marketing in the last few years, is I still got to design and, and control a lot of what we were doing. And I didn't like being on the other side of that, of like waiting for someone to tell me, here's what you get to do. Here's the promotion. Here's whatever. And I was like, you know, I love this. And it's it's an improvement upon my career because at least I get to work the way I want to work, but it still isn't the be all end all for me. Right. Yeah. My gosh. So good. So, and that's where we have kind of a similar journey in that sense of just being like the overachiever Finding network marketing, it was like the stepping stone into what's next. So I'm curious, love your journey. And I know there's so much in there, in that journey, the decisions that you made. How did you land from, I mean, knowing the backstory to the backstory of journalism, it makes total sense now where you are today. But what gave you the vision from breaking free from corporate to scaling that first income-producing asset in network marketing, what gave you the vision and the guts and the tenacity to then leap forward with this new vision and the business that you're running today to really help female entrepreneurs in the space that you're in today? Like, What gave you that vision? And tell us a little bit about that journey. That's a good question. I don't actually think that I've shared the story and maybe not even with you, but what it was is that you know I left this job that I had unbelievable credibility. I was the youngest um, VP, the youngest female, you know, I had great retention, like all these things in the corporate world matter. And I left that and it was one, it was a big, it was a big loss of ego, which was okay. I needed that because you have to be willing to swallow your ego as an entrepreneur and, you know, when you're starting over, but in network marketing, you know, I knew the products were amazing and I knew that they created a great transformation. I knew, you know, I'd created financial freedom for myself, or at least, at least a lot of financial flexibility, but I was still struggling with what I thought was the lack of credibility in that area, you know, and, and that has definitely changed over the last couple of years. But I was like, man, people are asking like, Rebecca, what, what are you thinking leaving your job? And I was like, you know, at the end of the day, these people don't make me happy. Like I have to, I'm responsible for my own happiness. But I was still like searching for a way to be more credible. And what I found in network marketing is I, you know, you meet these amazing people in the company. They're keynoting, they're dynamic, they're having unbelievable success. They're making money that people, most people in corporate outside of like C-level staff are never going to make. And yet you go to maybe their social media or you, you know, go to these things and you're like, well, what exactly do they do? And for me being, I like to say that like I'm a positive realist. That was actually what almost kept me out of network marketing is I was like, when I ask a question, I just want an answer. (laughs) I don't want this like, do you have time to jump on a phone call? Right? Right. So I was looking for myself to be more credible. And I'm like, how do I become more credible in network marketing? Or how do I become more credible so that I have more opportunities in recruiting? 
And the thing that just popped up for me is, you know, getting published. Now I'd been on the other side of getting published. I'd been the reporter, you know, putting people into our, our daily paper. And I'd written a little bit that had gotten picked up on like the national, national like AP press and the wire. And so I went and got some quotes from PR people because keep in mind, I studied print journalism, very, very different than PR, like completely different. And I had a little bit of understanding because I used to get press releases, but I was never doing the PR side and never studied it. And when I got those quotes, they were for on average $5,000 a month for PR. And so I said, I don't have $30,000 extra. I mean, I was, I was making solidly six figures, but also that other thing about network marketing, I think is there's a, there's a little bit of a culture of like not investing in your business. Cause everyone's like, you can run a business for free. So even, you know, getting a VA is like, whoa. And so the idea of spending $30,000 on something that promised no certain guarantee was insanity to me. And I just said, you know, I think I'm going to try to figure this out on my own. And I took a girlfriend out to, for a Manny Petty. She owned a PR company, not, she didn't pitch me. And I didn't go to her because she was not, well, I was not her ideal client. She did like fashion startups or fashion tech, but she gave me a couple of tips. And between what I knew from my dusty days of journalism, you know, 15 years prior and the tips that she gave me, I was like, I'm just going to fail forward and figure this out. And I started doing that. And, you know, in the first probably six months, very much in messy action, but every time something worked, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do that again. So I was optimizing my very unexpert action. And in the first six months, I had over 20 national press mentions. Now, this was not me writing articles as a journalist. This is me getting mentioned, you know, getting quoted in Reader's Digest, Women's Health, US News and World Report, started doing podcast interviews. Again, this is back in like 2000, 2000, probably 14, 15, Mm -hmm. no, 16, 17. And what started to happen is I also had some business coaching clients on the side that I was like making another than a little bit of money on the side just because I enjoyed it because I would do it for free. But I'm like, well, I might as well charge. I think I was charging like a hundred dollars an hour. It was like nothing. And I started having my business coaching client saying, Hey, how are you getting these mentions? And I was like, Oh, well, I could just teach you. So I started teaching them. And what happened is they got even faster results because they got to start with the information I had then the templates, all of that. And that's where it was born. And then I started doing some branding retreats where I was teaching people. And I was just like, you know what? This is the thing I'm enjoying most. I love showing entrepreneurs how to really create messaging that irresistibly sells them, not just their products, that builds that know, like, and trust, and how to get on podcasts, which they can monetize, and then how to get those media features that build the credibility and the visibility that is really required to create profitability. So that's the story. So good. What I love about this story is, and we see this a lot in entrepreneurship, right? Is that like, basically you solved your own problem and then you were able to literally launch a business off of providing that solution, right? Totally. And and I can remember early 2020, before the pandemic hit, it was actually before, um, before the mass retreat. We didn't meet at that one. We met in October, but you know, I had my network marketing business that I had taken a break from when my daughter was born. I took like maternity leave And after three months, I went, I don't really want to go back and do this. And I had given myself permission during that time to only do what I wanted to do. And all I wanted to do was podcast. So I I recorded and I guested and I wanted to, you know, work on press, like focus on press mentions. And I loved it and it was fun. And so, you know, fast forward, my daughter was born end of April, 2019 to early 2020. And I said, I don't really want to keep doing the branding retreats because it was requiring me to travel. And I did 
Two, one that I brought my daughter, had to get a separate Airbnb for her and like a babysitter. And it just, it was really, I, I felt like I was failing at both things. You know, it was too much. I was like, I can't travel for seven days with a, a, a you know, a tiny baby. And I mean, I can, but I want to do that for you know, vacation, not for work. Right. And then the other thing is, I just was like, you know what? Everyone says like niche, 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 niche. I was like, I'm doing all of these things. I'm doing them okay. But I really just wanted to niche down. And I decided I am just going to teach people how to monetize their message through media mentions and podcasts and interviews. Because again, it's building that what I call the expert triangle. It's creating the visibility, the credibility, and that ultimately leads to the profitability. Because I believe there's so many women out there, specifically like female business owners, coaches, consultants that are genius at what they do. But their business is so much harder than it needs to be because they don't have the authority to charge the prices that they're worth. And they don't have the credibility to really shorten that sales cycle from prospective mm. clients. Yes. Yes. And being, I guess you could say a participant and a client in your own program, I can, I mean, I'm experiencing it myself. We're publishing our first book together next month. Is it next month? It will be a it's, bestseller. I mean, we're, it's hopefully at the end of this month, but I've learned with books, things can always go sideways. So hopefully it'll be the end of this month. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So before we dive into a little bit of your zone of genius, speaking of kind of leaning into your passion, niching down, not to put you on the spot, but I'm curious kind of roughly, do you have like a rough estimate of like the number of publications, the number of like, do you have like any stats on just like your group and the visibility that you've gotten these folks to this day? Yes. I know it's massive. It's, and it's crazy. You know, again, the fact that I, this business kind of, I felt like it fell out of my lap, but I think that's often what happens. And the same thing for you, right? With LinkedIn is you're doing something for yourself and it's working. And then a couple other people ask for it and you're like, wait, this is actually a huge need. And you go look and I, and I that's what I said. I was like, when, at the time that I started doing it, I wasn't looking at anyone else. At the time I started to scale it, then I was like, is there any competition? And there was, but they weren't doing it the way I did it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, there's enough business to go around for everyone. But to your question, so if we take out press releases, I'll talk about that for a moment. If we take out press releases, which is you do pay to put a press release out, you just pay to put it on the wire. Now, the quality of the press releases is, is what creates the result. But I've worked with about 150 women in our programs. And then I've done a lot of like free trainings and master classes and spoken in other people's groups and given enough value and tips that people, who are motivated and get into action will go out and get results. We've had outside of press releases, I would say over, I mean, it's in the thousands now of press mentions. And some of our clients that really, you know, they're the dream clients that just show up and they do the thing Mm -hmm. and then they get the results and they don't stop. I mean, we've had some of our clients have gotten, you know, 30 to 50 mentions in less than two years because I've only been doing this. You know, it's technically two years this month, actually. I'm celebrating our two-year anniversary. And then from a standpoint of podcast, hundreds of podcasts, dozens of TV interviews. And then if we add in press releases, we're in the, I mean, we're probably at 10,000 plus mentions on media. Incredible. I mean, incredible, incredible. Like I said, you guys, we just did our very first press release with Rebecca this past month and it blew my mind. It also impacted what we can put on our website now too, as far as where we've been mentioned and in pitching for podcasts and stuff like that. So, well, let's talk about that. I mean, you've unpacked it a little bit already, but from your perspective, you know, women in business, 
why does everyone need more PR with their business that, than what they're giving attention to today? I mean, I know you and I have really, we've connected over the years, but this past year, specifically, it's been a focus for me. I'm like, I need to grow my visibility very strategically with where I am in my business today. So can you speak to that? Like why more business, why more women in business need to be focused on a PR strategy for the growth and expansion of their business? Yes. I just want to, I really want to just bring the point home that this is regardless where you're at in business. Yeah. You know, and I'll give a couple of examples. So for example, we had one client, she actually wasn't a client. She was in a masterclass. She became a client that listen to what we were you know, talking about. And I gave just a couple of tips and she went out, she didn't even have a website. She was like charging hourly. Was, she was a human design expert, but she was charging hourly while at her full-time job. So it had no packages, no offerings, like nothing that we would consider pretty basic to like be open for a business. She had 11 national mentions. We know when I say a mention, I mean, someone's quoted in an article. Typically it could be anywhere from a couple of sentences to paragraphs, sometimes backlinking to their website but she had 11 in 30 days in publications like Bustle, Hello Birdie, you know, national publications that were featuring or focused on women. So that's her ideal client. But why everyone needs this is social media is an amazing tool. And I, mean, I love the fact that you teach LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the blue ocean, right? right? But so many people's strategy is literally like growing their Instagram. Yes. Which is an algorithm. It's an audience you don't control. I mean, I know several people just this year, you know, we know a few that their accounts got taken over by like a bot and they lost everything, everything. right? Yeah. You know, so obviously like always rely on an email list versus social media. But you think that like growing your audience is going to make you more credible. And I did that. I like did all of that. I grew my audience and it didn't equate to necessarily more business, right? Because one, you need to be getting in front of the right audience. But the other thing is just because you have visibility and visibility, let's say being a big audience doesn't give you credibility or authority. Yes. Now there's so many Instagram influencers out there that, yeah, you might go look at their reel and you might like go to their Amazon page and buy their workout pants or you know, whatever they're selling at the time, but you're not going to go invest thousands of dollars with them unless you're maybe buying a program of how to become an Instagram influencer. Right. right? So there's a difference between being like entertained by someone and then wanting to invest in yeah. someone. Yeah. What I realized that and what I show um, you know, female entrepreneurs is people assume that the press is credible. Now, we're not going to get into the backstory of like what happened the last few years with crazy America, right? But there is a sense that if you're featured in a newspaper, a magazine, et cetera, because that, that platform or that podcast, because the person that's watching or reading or consuming their information is going to them because they believe that platform is credible. Mm. That anyone that that platform puts in front of their viewers, readers, listeners, as a credible expert, that that credibility just transfers immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just give this example. And this is the one I use typically. But if you're going to go out and find a trainer, like a personal trainer, right? Like something that a lot of people do, and you get referred to two different people, and they've got pretty similar, you know, certifications, time in business, they both have a website, but one person's has been quoted in multiple magazines or name top trainer or, you know, whatever, you are just going to assume that that person is better, whether they are or not. You you don't want to be the best kept secret. Right. Right. So if you've got that credibility and that credibility typically also adds visibility, then a few things happen. One is you can typically raise rates, right? Because you are now setting your prices because you stand out as being, you know, a go-to expert in your space. And then the second thing that happens is, like I said, is it shortens the sales cycle. 
I have people now that get on calls with me and I joke that I don't do sales calls. I do fitting calls Mm -hmm. because by the time that they are on a call with me, they already know that I'm credible. They've seen, you know, results, testimonials, case studies. They've seen where I'm at and they're super excited about the opportunity to work with me. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the biggest thing that PR does when it's done purposefully. And what I mean by purposefully is it's PR that shows your zone of genius. It shows your expertise, not just vanity PR, which is like, mention now even vanity pr still is profitable if done right but i like to like actually dig in and make pr like really really juicy and really tangible around like someone's brand message and their expertise yeah well and this is such a great example rebecca with the gym because i know even with me personally on the reverse end i get pitched for podcasts for guesting on my podcast all the time and we get so much that we just delete a lot of it but when one comes through that talks about, you know, like where they've been featured as seen as, you know, bestseller, blah, blah, blah. We look further. Like it's an immediate differentiator to catch attention from a credibility standpoint. And they may be just as the other person who pitched in the same industry may have been just as credible, but didn't do the work on the back end for the credibility piece with PR. So, so good. Well, and the other thing, that we should underscore here for our listeners that listen in now or listen in later. I know personally from watching you, what was it like? You launched your business and you're doing the do, right? You're like using the strategies that you teach. You scaled a business to a million in sales in like 18 months, didn't you? Exactly. Yeah. It's because of PR. I mean, it's absolutely because of PR, because PR cuts out the noise, right? Like you, just like you said, you get all of these pitches. And if you think about it, like these are people pitching you, but if you're going to social media, you know, you're getting inundated by like the, the feed. So those out of scene ins, what they do is in that three seconds that you're skimming something is they create credibility and they get you to look deeper. That's what it does. Mm. But yes, no. So I, I had done these things for myself. I did them for a few one-on-one clients, you know, and then back to the power of masterminds. I, I decided I was like, I want to do a mastermind. And I loved, like I'd been in a couple of different ones and I love bits and pieces, but I think that the biggest thing that I saw, and, and like you, you and I are like always going to go out and just do things, right? We're always going to get results. But what I saw is a lot of people that maybe didn't think that their investment was worth it is because they didn't get results. And so I said, okay, that's because they didn't get any action, right? I mean, we're all responsible for our own result. But I said, how can I create something? And and first it was a mastermind and then it was a group program that guarantees results. As long as someone just does the basics, right? You have to like show up. And and so that's what I did in my first mastermind is I was like, I'm going to guarantee press mentions. Cause I know the formula I'm going to guarantee podcast interviews. Cause again, I know the formula, like I know how to you know, position yourself in an attractive way. And then of course we do the bestselling author program. So we do a collaborative book. And I said, you know, imagine after six months, you know, as long as you have a business, ideally at six figures and the six figures isn't because not just afford the mastermind, but it's also because there's a certain level of competence and confidence Mm-hmm. that even if we give someone strategies, if they don't show up with a certain level of competence and confidence, they're not going to actually take the strategies to get the results. Mm-hmm. And I don't judge my success by how many people I have in a program. I judge my success by my client's results. So I'm like, it is as important to me as it is to you that these results happen. So that I think the big differentiator is we guarantee the results because I know that they're possible because I've done them myself. Yes, you're walking the walk and talking the talk. So good. So we have just a couple minutes left and there's a couple of different directions we could go, but having, getting to know you and actually spending some quality time with you 
I think one of the things that you are a master of is getting more done in a day than the average human. And I know we've just got a couple minutes left, but I know that one of the topics you can speak to is getting twice as much done in a day. I know when I'm around you, I'm like, she is the energizer bunny. She has so many plates spinning and she makes it all work. She's massively productive. Any like tips or tricks for people who are listening today on how they can get more done in a day? Because I know that you are like the queen of this. I love that. I mean, I, I think it's something that I'm forced to, well, two things. One is I have to say I'm a generator. If anyone's familiar with you know human design. So I, as long as I'm doing what I love, I can create like unlimited energy and I'm an Enneagram seven. So I need lots of options, right? <laughs> lots of options. So me getting as much done or being productive as is really was forced on me in order to continue to have the options that I wanted and to also do things with quality. So a couple of things, one, and, and actually I'll, for those people that are watching this, here's my little planner. Yes, I love Google Calendar, but I love having a physical planner. And that allows me to you know, do a brain dump every day. In fact, I'll just give you three tips because I think I think that being productive is all about staying out of overwhelm, mm-hmm. right? Because we can, there's other people that can have just as many things going on, but be failing at them because they get overwhelmed by them. And overwhelm is not a, if it's a win. Like I think actually overwhelm is not a bad thing unless you're living in it. It's really more of like a thermostat. And it, to me, if you're not in growth, if you're experiencing overwhelm, it probably means you're in growth or you need to create better boundaries around time management. So, yes. So just, you know, which, which, you know, boundaries constantly change, right? Because our lives are like fluid, evolving, dynamic things. But for me, you know, the first thing I do to stay out of overwhelm is I just make sure, like I say, take a breath. It doesn't have to literally be breathing. It could be breath work and meditation. It could be, you know, exercise, time outside, like, when we get into this point where we're like, oh, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm frazzled. There's a million things to do. And, and then what we end up doing is spinning out for the next few hours and getting nothing done that actually creates calm. We just like keep in that spin cycle is I'm like, okay, take a breath first. Let's just like walk away from the situation because the brain that got me there is not going to get me out of it. So calm the body down, right? And, and so change up the scenery. And so for me, that literally could be like three minutes of intentional breathing. Ideally outside with my feet in the ground, you know, in the soil, in the grass. And then just a brain dump. Because what often happens is we have all these tabs open. And the reality is it's probably not 5,000 things to do. It's like 30 in six different categories. And so when we brain dump, we can start to see like the patterns. And also I'm a big fan of brain dumping with something called a parking lot. And the parking lot is all of the things that we would love to do or maybe need to do that aren't actually important or urgent. So, but they're open tabs. And so it's the things like, I need to learn to braid my hair, right? Not important or urgent, but I'm still thinking about it, you know, or like, you know, check this out or like read this book or, you know, all these nice to have. So get those off into the parking lot where they can just sit. And when you put it on the paper, it just creates a lot more clarity. And then you can look at, okay, what's actually important? Let's pick the top five things, but what's the absolute number one? And this is not the one that like, oh, if I cross it off, I'll feel like I accomplished something. It's like the because I haven't done this or it's not where it needs to be, people are either relying on me or I'm letting it down or it's costing me money, right? It's that thing that really moves us forward. It's typically the thing we want to do the least. And after, if we can plan like how to get that done, then we can you know, work on the next four. That can be done in 10 minutes. Yeah. And then I would say do breath work after that, do you know, with the mastery app, because that will actually like give you all the clarity on how to do the thing. Yes. But that's the biggest thing is just getting clear, like what am I working on each day? 
what is the number one thing to eat the frog? And then after that, like, what are the next two or three that are important? And I do take on a lot, but it's because I utilize this. And then the other thing I would just say is using some type of like project management software. Mm-hmm. You know, to-do lists are great, but they don't really prioritize. So like I use ClickUp or you can use Asana or Trello or Monday.com or you know, there's so many tools out there, but use a tool, especially if you have a team. But I even use a tool for myself to set out internal deadlines. And then the last is being very intentional about your time. Mm-hmm. So I do plan everything out. Like I have wind down time that starts at 830 mm-hmm. and it's in my calendar. And you know, you might say, well, Rebecca, why do you need like you need really need someone to tell you to wind down. Yeah, because I will find something else to do. And then I'm mad at myself because then you're gonna sleep and it, you know, starts that vicious cycle. Yep. But even this morning, as I was like making kids' lunches before I jumped in the sauna to do hypno breath work, I was listening to something. So it's either a book on tape or a podcast, because I don't necessarily have the drive time since I went from home and I don't, I don't just like have all this extra time, but there's always the ability to, I don't want to say multitask. I want to say like combine brainless activities that have to be done with some type of like growth that is, you know, something you can listen to. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I have a Bluetooth speaker in the shower, right? Mm. And it's interesting what you said around take a breath because you and I did the same like plant-based nutritional cleanse and I'm in their, their nutritional mastermind right now. And I was listening to one of their recordings today and they talked about exactly this. They talked about how when you're in a state of overwhelm, that your nervous system is not going to allow you to come up with the solution because exactly what you just said, when your nervous system is frazzled, you're not going to come up with the solution. And so I love what you just said about taking a breath, walking away from it. She used the exact same examples of like getting outside, doing the breath work, because as much as you're trying to make it work, you're so overwhelmed that you, you've got to reset your nervous system before the clarity is going to come to you in the first place. So it's like counterintuitive, 100%. but what needs to be done? So good. Okay. So I know we need to wrap up. You, my friend, have some things going on right now. I know, by the way, Rebecca is going to be a speaker at my live event yes. in a couple of weeks. She's going to do a deep dive on some more strategy with you guys. But tell us a little bit. I know you've got a workshop coming up next week for those who are streaming live right now. And they're like, ooh, this resonates. I need more Rebecca in my life. Tell us what you have going on next week. It's called the Authority Accelerator and it's a five-day masterclass and we give really tactical, like very fast, actual tips on how to accelerate your authority. So yes, we will have a day that's really on PR and then getting those easy PR wins, but basically setting up, you know, your online presence to be seen as incredibly credible. So as you grow your visibility, you know, it makes it easier for you to also grow your profitability. Mm, Yes. And so you guys, those of you who, you know, have followed me and participated in any of my masterclasses you will know that Rebecca is going to bring ridiculous value, just like we do over in our masterclasses, like tons of value. I know that your students end up with ridiculous results just from the free training all the time. Where can they find you? Yes. So you can find that one at thepitchclub.online forward slash masterclass. Or if you just Google Rebecca Cafiro and Authority Accelerator, that will pull up the link to register for it. And I'm super excited because like you said, you know, I love seeing people getting wins while we're actually in the masterclass, like coming from one day to the other, like, oh my goodness, like this worked. And I just, you know, closed a sale or I just got, you know, accepted for a podcast interview. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So go check her out. And then just last but not least, where can they just connect with you? Where's your preferred platform people to come find you and hang out? LinkedIn, LinkedIn or Instagram at Rebecca Cafiero, you know, drop me a message and I would love to connect. And then, you know, I also will take pictures from my podcast. So if you come to the masterclass or you download, um, I've got a four in one irresistible pitch template. It will give you the actual template to pitch, not just me, but other podcast hosts. Awesome. And where can I get that pitch template on on your website? On my website, RebeccaCafiero.com. It's on the front page. Awesome. So awesome. We'll see you in a couple of weeks here in Charlotte. Thanks for listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. For free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services, go ahead over to livethefreelife.co. That's livethefreelife.co. Or check out our Facebook community at Burnout to All Out. And make sure you follow Burnout to All Out on Spotify and subscribe to iTunes. And it would truly mean the world to me if you paused for just a second gave me that five-star review of the show and be sure to share this episode with any burnouts you think would be inspired to go all out after hearing this episode.